good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me or haven't seen me before and are a little bit intimidated by this armless guy, my name is Josiah. Um, I'm a member here at Willow, and it is my privilege to be able to lead you all in this service this morning. Everything to God in prayer. It's a song we sometimes sing. I believe it's got a different name. It's, uh, who is it now? What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Uh, it's a song that we sometimes sing together as a congregation. And in fact, I believe we will be singing it together after the message in response. But do we actually do what we say? When was the last time that you prayed to God to give thanks for something other than the dinner that you were about to eat? Or when did you last pray to God for nothing more than to praise Him for His marvelous creation or His beautiful character? In your requests to God, when was the last time you prayed for another person before presenting your own shopping list of requests? I must admit, preparing for this service was incredibly convicting. I had to seriously think back to the last time that I had actually prayed a genuine, spontaneous prayer. As it is, though it seems ridiculous to say, while preparing, I still found it difficult to take five minutes of my day to properly walk or talk or sit in prayer. And saying it aloud, it kind of feels horrible, but I suspect a lot of us are actually in the same boat here. The fact is that prayer is an essential ingredient in the Christian diet. We don't have to look far in the Old Testament to find countless examples of the Israelites themselves struggling with this. Instead of asking what God, God what to do, they would decide to go their own way. One great example is uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 5, where Israel decides to go to battle with the Philistines without asking God whether this is desire. Instead, they drag out the Ark of the Covenant and they bring it into battle, thinking, ah, this will mystically make God involved in the fight. But God is not with Israel that day, and the Philistines end up taking the ark themselves. Today's message is centered around the end of Ephesians, straight after the armor of God, which I had the opportunity to speak on last time I was up here. In fact, this sermon is a sort of part two to the armor of God, because our armor is useless without prayer without God's divine seal of support. So together, we're going to take a quick look at prayer. We're going to look at why we pray, what we pray, how or when we pray, and who we can pray for. A bit of application to end it. So verse 18 of Ephesians, chapter 6, which hopefully you can have open with you, is jam-packed and is the main verse that we're going to be examining this morning. So to start, let's break down the first of four alls. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Now here's a bit of a funny anecdote or quirky story, which I think paints this out quite nicely. A man was once asked what position he takes when he prays. He responded by saying that one time he fell down a well and he got his head stuck in the mud at the bottom. He remarked, 
the prayingest prayer I ever prayed, I prayed standing on my head. See, although this story is a bit quirky and a bit weird, it's meant to show how we think of prayer. Because it's true of us, I believe, that when things go pear-shaped or life turns upside down, as it literally did for this guy, that is when we suddenly become prayer warriors. Self-preservation is an incredibly large incentive to start praying, isn't it? So is Paul saying that this is wrong? No, not at all. But he is telling us that there are more reasons for us to be praying than our lives being in danger or out of our hands or feet in my case. But if we believe as Christians that God is Lord of our lives, this includes the good times as well. We can and should pray on all occasions when we experience the joy of those early morning rays of sunshine, the crisp freshness of the dip in the pool or beach on a warm summer's day. I'm sure we can all relate to that over the last couple of weeks. Or the salty deliciousness of hot chips or whatever it is that you fancy. These are just a few moments in our day-to-day lives which God provides for our enjoyment and pleasure. Instead of simply expecting them, as we are prone to do in our self-centered lives, we ought to remind ourselves to see them as the blessings that they actually are. Of course, God wants us to enjoy every waking moment of His creation. But how much more does He love hearing from us his most treasured possessions when we share with him thanks and wonder at all he has given us. Is this not reason enough for us to pray? But there's another reason for us that we need to pray on all occasions, in all situations. Last time I preached up here, I used a portion of the old hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, uh, as the benediction. Uh, And as we know here at Willow, um, if you've been here for a long time, we know that the Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways. Because when I began preparing for this sermon, uh, the exact same hymn came up in my Bible commentary. I was like, what? I literally just read this, the sermon. What? And here's why it's significant. There's a segment there that says, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. And that's what we talked on last time when we looked at each piece of armor of God and why we need the armor of God. But then it goes on. Put on the gospel of armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Last time I spoke of each piece of armor and the need for us to make sure we have each piece fastened tightly. And though I do feel the message was impactful, and it certainly was long enough, I've heard enough feedback from my parents about that, one thing that became more clear as I studied the following verses was the importance given to prayer. It's all well and good, knowing that the belt of truth represents the doctrines that we believe as individuals about the faith that we profess, but what holds the belt in place when heresies or doubt arises? prayer does. Although we are called to live righteous lives, the fact is we do sin daily. 
So what can we do to keep our hearts fixed in the right place, our breastplates tightly fastened? We can pray. The fact is that we will never feel adequately ready. We cannot show faith in our trials. We will not feel assured of the salvation that we have. And we will not be effective users of the word of God if we are not in prayer. Therefore, let us in all situations, on all occasions, be prayer warriors. So now let us turn to what we pray. If you've been raised in this church, you will have heard of the acronym ACTS. That's not a reference to the book of Acts in the Bible. It stands for something a bit different. And each letter represents a different type of prayer that we can bring before the Lord. Something also noted in verse 18 of our passage, when Paul calls us to pray all kinds of prayers and requests. In Matthew 6, which Vanessa kindly read for us earlier, we hear Jesus himself providing his audience with a step-by-step guide to praying the Lord's Prayer. And ACTS, the acronym, is the simplification of the Lord's Prayer. It gets to the heart of what it's all about. What is it actually saying? A stands for adoration. Our prayers are not really worth much if we don't begin with praise to God. And I'll say that again because it's an important point. Our prayers are not really worth much if we don't begin with praise to God. And I know that's a big claim to make, but hear me out as to why. By bringing our requests to God, we should have a deep sense that our Heavenly Father not only cares for us deeply, but that He is more than capable to exceed any and all of our thoughts and desires. Reuben A. Torrey puts it like this, It is really important when we pray that we are coming to Him, meeting with Him and requesting of Him what we need. You see, God is not our checkout check at the grocery store that we just go, oh, cheers, mate. Can you just give us that? Thanks, mate. He's a living God. And as such, we must start our prayers with some form of adoration for us to make sure that we are aware of who it is that we're actually talking to. So that's why we have adoration. C stands for confession. Through understanding God's sheer size and His power, we are reminded of our smallness and depravity. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor His ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. Now don't be mistaken. This is not saying, you're too sinful for God to listen to you, so don't even bother. Isaiah was commenting on the heart of Israel. They were unrepentant and had hardened their hearts against God and His ways. Therefore, the call for us is to confess our sins in prayer with our Heavenly Father. Why? Because it shows that the desires of our hearts are selfless rather than selfish. We desire a relationship with Him and purity from our sins because He 
wants that for our lives. He wants right relationship with us. And if we want that as well, we need to come before him humbly and repentant. T stands for thanksgiving. How easy is it to forget that, to thank God for the things that he has already done for us? I think one obvious thing that we often forget to thank God for is his willingness to forgive our sins, especially given the great cost it came to him. You see, thanking him for forgiving us reminds us of our eternal debt that we have with him. Sometimes you might be me like this. Uh, we have the tendency to say to ourselves, you know, if, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, Lord. Or we get that trick in the back of our head that says, oh, I've been really good the last few weeks. And maybe, the, you know, that's got to count for something. But again, thanking God for all that he has done and continues to do for us forces us to acknowledge that he owes us nothing. And so we shed our self-glorification mindset and we adopt a heart and mind of praise and honor to him. And finally, S stands for supplication. Matthew 6.11 says, give us today our daily bread. Why would Jesus ask for such a thing? Well, he was showing us that it is right and good for us to ask that God care for and meet our needs. The truth is that God is pleased and he actually finds joy in hearing our requests, especially when they are aligned with his vision, own vision and will for our lives. So it is good to ask for things from God. But prayer is far more than a shopping list of requests. It is a time for us to acknowledge directly with him that he is infinitely powerful. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, the rock of salvation on which we stand and depend, the provider of all our needs, and if it is part of his will for our lives, our desires as well. So that was what we pray. But now let's briefly touch on how and when we pray. And the answer is very clear in verse 18 again. Be alert and always keep on praying. Prayers are to be prayed always. Now, this doesn't mean that Paul wants us to be walking and talking in prayer 24-7 like a weirdo. Um, that would certainly be a big put-off, I think, for anyone who's exploring Christianity. Um, yeah, a bit weird to be walking around talking to yourself all the time. No, what Paul is saying by this is that prayer should become as natural a part of our daily living as our own body parts. Just as swiftly as we ask someone's name or how their week was over a coffee, often after service, so should be the ease at which prayer comes to mind. Given prayer is us talking with God, it means that Paul wants us to grow a friendship with God. He wants it to blossom with him. God doesn't want us to be that random number on your phone that got texted you that one time and you're now scratching your head wondering what it was. Was that Paul from work? Was that a random scam call? I don't know. Who the, do you know who this number is? No, he wants to be one on speed dial. He wants to be one of our favorites on our contact list so that whenever something happens in our lives, good or bad, 
He wants to be the one that gets the message firsthand. Just like we would share with a mate, a family member, or our partner, God wants to be the first one to hear about it. And one more thing on this. James Montgomery Boyce, who wrote the commentary I used to prepare this sermon, he claimed that he did a deep dive of all the spiritual gifts of the Bible. And he found 19 of them all up, but prayer was never one of them. What was his point? Prayer is not a gift that some people have, are good at, and others don't. In fact, Boyce says that this is actually the devil's doing. Think about it. He wants us to feel incompetent and unable to speak to God directly. We should be ashamed of it. That's his whole shtick. But that's not what the Bible says. Prayer is not a gift according to what Paul is saying here. It is a responsibility, an obligation even, for any Bible-believing Christian. If we want to remain healthy Christians who can overcome temptation and withstand trials of any kind, we must be confident and natural prayers. And our last point this morning is who we can pray for, which we find in the rest of this passage. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Paul tells us here to pray for everyone. But practically speaking, we can best summarize it into two categories, generally and specifically praying for people. Generally, we should be able to consider Christian groups and work being done in our communities, our cities, and around the world. Every week, we receive updates on what our second collection is for or on our mission partners. These are the organizations that, aside from financial aid, openly declare the power of prayer as a motivating force among them. So as such, we can generally pray for their work and the young followers or new hearers of the gospel to which they're speaking to. In our desire for the Lord to bless and produce ripe harvests of disciples in their work. We can also consider war-torn parts of the world or places where we know life as a Christian is incredibly dangerous or undesirable. So we can pray for people generally. But we can also pray specifically. Specifically, an easy place to look for prayer points is in the weekly Willow newsletter, which if you aren't subscribed to that, by all means, come up and we can get you sorted. Because this is a great opportunity where we can see members of our congregation's prayer points with their own praise points and needs. We, we, we can rejoice in the news of the birth of a new child, like Cruz Van Halligan. And we can ask God for words of wisdom and inspiration for what we can do when someone loses a loved one. Sometimes we feel compelled to pray for someone that we're actually talking with. I've always cringed when people, and I include myself, it gives me heckles when I do it. Um, we say the line, I'll pray for you. Ugh. Of course, it is a nice thing to say, it is. But let's face it, 
we often forget to pray for them in the ether of all the other things flying through our brains about work, about things we've got to do, other prayer points we've got to pray. The fact is we probably don't always get around to praying for them. Can I recommend a fresh alternative? Pray in the moment. Imagine it. A fellow Christian comes up to you, maybe after the service or whenever it might be, saying that they've been struggling with burnout or that they're wrestling with their mental health or that family troubles or issues have arisen or that they just don't know where they're at with God these days. They just don't feel like they're making any progress. And these are very real problems that I think all Christians have at some point or another. We have our low points. How amazing an opportunity this is to pray in that moment for that person. Because not only do they feel loved and involved and appreciated, but God is taking center stage of that exact predicament. We know, well, I can't solve this person's problem. They're already struggling and they don't know what to do in the situation, but God can solve the problem. And it says in scripture, where two or more people pray, there God is. Paul also emphasizes the importance of praying for your pastors, like me. Um, but no, general, but more seriously, he does pray for the pastors. He includes himself there. He requests prayer over both verse 19 and 20, which is a considerable number of words in this letter that he's dedicating to himself. But that is because it is important. And it's important in two ways. Firstly, we ought to especially pray for our pastors because they are given the higher calling, given the higher calling that they have been placed in. A pastor's role is to pray through the Spirit, the Word of God, by the power of God. That is an incredibly high calling, and so we should be holding them in prayer. But secondly, just because someone appears on the outside to be doing really well, doesn't always reflect how they're feeling or doing on the inside. Twice, Paul asks for the Ephesians to pray for him. Specifically, that, that he may be fearless in the gospel message. Now, Paul has to be one of the most fearless guys I know in the Bible. I mean, he literally said in the letter to the Galatians, you foolish Galatians. I mean, you have to be pretty confident to say something like that. So why does he need more prayer in this department? Because Paul knows this to be a gift from God. He wants the Ephesians to see that all the good qualities that he has are given and maintained by God. As Tim Keller said once in a sermon, in our prayers, we should pray that boldness be given to the bold, that the visionaries amongst us with great ideas continue to be visionary and for the faithful to remain faithful and steadfast. So why do we pray? We pray because our Lord and Heavenly Father desires right relationship with us. What do we pray? We pray all kinds of prayers so that we never undervalue who it is that we're actually praying to. How and when do we pray? We pray as much as we can, whenever we can, because He is our favorite contact. And who do we pray for? We pray for all of the Lord's people. 
May we all leave here encouraged and ready to rekindle our walking, talking relationships with our loving God. And with that, let's pray to finish. Dear Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. We know that we don't speak to you as often as we probably should. And we ask that you would convict our hearts this week, Lord, as we make an effort to grow our prayerful relationships with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.